My name is Matt Brown. Hey, Derek, how's it going? It's your biggest fan here. I want to congratulate you on a great season because you suck! You bum! You look up trash in the dictionary and you'll be right there smiling with a football in your head. Two and six! We lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who never won a Super Bowl. They never had a victory. They don't know what winning is. They jumping around like they won a Super Bowl when they beat us. You disrespected every single legend that wore the silver and black. You suck. And let's start the show. because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Reductive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Big developments all over the place. Good times ahead. The cold November crisp air is here, and we are on the road to the end of 2022. And before I tell you something cool that happened to me, before we cover the National Football League, just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComboPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So lots to do, lots to get into, and lots of great content coming your way as we start a whole new chapter, a whole new era. We're back in the Jersey City studios. We're on our big comfy couch. We have our crane microphone, and I'm going to be recording in Jersey City more often as we used to. And that's because I now have a new position. I have a new job. I'm working PR at a fashion company, and we are very, very blessed to have this development in our life. I mean... It was one hell of a year to finally get a full-time position, salary and benefits. In fact, at the close age of 28 years old, I'm 27, I turned 28 in just about six weeks, I finally have my first salary job with, my first full-time salary job with benefits. Actually, yes, my first salary job all in all. It only took about five years after college, but it really was worth every step of the way. And through all my production work, my communications, and everything in between, it is very, very humbling to get this opportunity in my career, especially driving mostly Uber for an entire year with little things here and there, especially since I've moved to Jersey City just about a year ago. We can now be a big adult we could be a big boy in this big world and now i don't have to rely on uber 100 percent of the time even when i was working part-time again at an agency i still had to work every single day in uber but now uber only has to be completed every once in a while as a side hustle i greatly appreciate from the bottom of my heart all of your support the fans, the listeners, my family, my close friends, my good friends, even acquaintances I have been fortunate enough to stay in contact with. 
I guess we're not acquaintances, we're friends. So all of my friends and family and the fans and listeners, thank you for supporting me this past year. Thank you for supporting me when we lost our job in early 2020. And now in 2022, I have this new opportunity in my career. Time to focus, time to make big moves, time to learn, and time to never forget what the last year of my life has been. And we are going to now reconstruct, give back, and focus on the new chapter. So thank you for everybody who stuck with me during this intense period of my life. And ultimately, the best blessing that came out of this challenging really two years was this podcast and the podcast is not going away we continue to create amazing reels we continue to keep pushing forward we continue to make your days with these amazing conversations these amazing podcasts across sports news entertainment and culture and even though i will now have a full-time job like i said we will stick to our normal routine of a couple of podcasts per week released sporadically throughout the week and we have a lot of good stuff coming we have recorded some shows in studio we obviously have some zoom podcasts booked as well we are not slowing down even with this new full-time job i have so just want to make that clear and we will kick it off with this nfl show with that and i know there's only one show this week just adjusted to my new schedule and then bam full throttle from there so again thank you for all the support and now let's turn our heads and focus on other things like the nfl it was week nine in the nfl great show to start with in this new chapter of my life we officially are past the halfway point and this past week has featured a major coaching change it has featured maybe a a risen tom brady maybe a falling Aaron Rodgers, an absolutely impressive win from the New York Jets over the Buffalo Bills. Lamar Jackson had a heck of a game, even with most of his starting weapons on the injury report, and then some. And yeah, a lot of intense things took place in week nine of the NFL season. So let's talk about this intense Ninth week in the National Football League. Let's look ahead to week 10. Alex Ranelio, Brian McKean are with us. And we have our good friend Alex Young talking football with us this week. So let's move forward. Let's have a good show. And let's entertain, inform, and inspire you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world. So let's talk about week 9. Look ahead to week 10. Don't forget to wait for the end of the show to hear Ramblin' Russ's picks. And we will move forward from there so alex brian and alex is your guys turn once again here we go we're past the halfway point we have seen some shocking wins we've seen some shocking coaching decisions and we've seen an nfl just keep amazing us every single week and the fact of the matter is we are going in full throttle for the second half of the season and we're going to start it now with the best podcasting crew when it comes to covering the nfl alex ranelio alex young thanks for joining us for the first time with football and brian mckeon all here ready to rock and roll what's going on dudes not much. Good Not much. Good football. Happy to be back. 
Happy to be back indeed and glad to see Alex Young join us this week. Okay, let's do it, guys. Let's talk about the most shocking upset, probably the NFL season so far. The New York Jets defeat the Buffalo Bills on Sunday afternoon. Who would have thought for all the trolling we did, for all the embarrassments we point out maybe there is something with gangrene robert sala helps lead victory and the jets win 20 to 17 you know we witnessed possibly josh allen getting hurt we saw the jets take advantage of that zach wilson was much improved and you know even if he only threw to garrett wilson it seemed like at points but bottom line get a huge division win, get huge momentum going into the bye week. And maybe now the Jets can be considered as a playoff contender. I was about to say serious one, but I don't know if I want to say that yet. But I'll throw it to you guys. How do we feel after this victory and this huge division win about the New York Jets? Do we feel that this team is worth something now? Hmm. This defense is legit. Hmm. Like this is a legit defense with quality talent across the board. And the rookie, I've never seen a rookie class like show up like the way they are right now across all three levels of their defense. The rookies mm-hmm. are really playing well with Sauce Gardner. Even Michael Clemens, the rookie D end, is just like wrecking havoc with pressures up and down, uh, up and down the line. And like you know, free agent acquisitions like DJ Reed, they're really making plays on defense and. For an offense that really is struggling with an identity from the run game and lack of, like, you know, consistency from Zach Wilson, they're keeping them in realistic situations and not having to do too much. And that's what happened in this game, and it showed. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree uh, with that, too. Uh, just looking at you, look at the stats. They didn't get a ton of sacks that game, but they were bothering Josh for most of that game. They kept him contained, not letting the deep balls happen. Big plays. They just that defense kept the game throughout. I was really, really impressed. Sauce Gardner again. I think is just shown why he was a uh, high pick as he was. Uh, just all over the field all day, and I was just super impressed watching it. You know, uh, it's similar. It's kind of weird how the Jets and Giants have a similar thing. They just don't let themselves get beat too often, and that defense keeps them in the games as far as they can go. And they showed up, uh, and I was just impressed all day seeing that defense. I thought Josh Allen was gonna go bananas i cut them for my fantasy because i was like he's putting up 40 against his defense but that defense stayed right in that game so props to the jets they came with the game plan it worked wonders that day yeah i think if i had to give zach wilson a grade just for the day i'd probably give him like a c plus like mm-hmm. he did, he got out of his own way he didn't throw any turnovers kind of game manager of the game um they still don't have kind of an offensive identity so almost by omission i think like this defense generating short fields for this team um is going to be kind of the way forward they're going to have to ride this wave defense real hot um in the meantime but i think like this is just a huge quality win and it kind of shakes up that second slot for the afc east for now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now looking at the afc east and josh allen specifically you know the injury bug has hit buffalo mightily this season and now it's possible yeah. that the bills quarterback has a ucl injury so a uh, possible torn or slightly torn ligament in his elbow pretty much. Uh, Josh Allen said after the game there's some slight pain, but um, I think towards the end of the game you saw for the first time his accuracy being really affected. And 
I mean, there was even one point where this guy threw a 69-yard pass in the air to Gabe Davis, and it didn't work. Maybe if he was fully healthy and if these injury issues, especially on the UCL, had an effect on him, it might um, curtail things, to say the least, for Buffalo. But do you agree with that assessment or no? Do you think Josh Allen will be fine? I haven't seen any other major reports since then. And uh, they play a very tough Viking, uh, Vikings team ahead this week. But how significant do you have to be so I should all right, let me restart it. How significant do you think this possible injury can affect the entire Bills offense moving forward? Uh, if they don't have Josh Allen, they're in deep trouble. Uh, I would say that much. They don't really mm-hmm. have anyone in the back backup that is impressive. Um, I mean, he still threw that bomb. I was just talking before the show. He still threw that bomb with that messed up UCL. I don't know if it was adrenaline or whatever the case might be. Um, but it's still nerve-wracking as as Bills fans and us as football fans. Josh Allen's become a top five quarterback in this league. We love seeing him play. Uh, so, I mean, without him, I think their Super Bowl chances are done. Uh, I, I know their defense is really, really impressive, but that guy, what he does offensively, um, his stuff we haven't seen before, he's just crazy, crazy good. Uh, so I think, you know, if you're a Bills fan, you're concerned right now. Because, uh, But the good thing is, I think if it was something major, we might have heard about it right now. I know he's still getting some preliminary tests, so we'll see this week. But, uh, yeah, like I said, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm a little nervous. Um, and as a fantasy fan with Josh Allen, I hope he's okay because my fantasy league could be up in flames if he's out. So <laughs> I wish he came all the best, but, yeah. Selfish. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. No, I just said right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know a lot will come you know come about from these tests and what what they reveal this week, and they'll probably keep it within the organization ahead of um, prepping for you know next week's game. But I mean, it, it really just depends on the extent of how much this is going to alter his accuracy and precision throwing the football because we know he has a lethal arm talent. But if they can kind of put some of the weight on Kent Dorsey to kind of shift positioning on this offense. Um, If he can be 65 to 70% of what Josh Allen can be, you know, through the run game or um, however they have to, um, you know, pivot this offense that they can still win games, but it's going to be very difficult. And you're going to have to start shifting expectations from being a Super Bowl contender, maybe down to, um, you know, a second second round team in the AFC, which would be devastating. Yeah, and for this team that had the highest expectations and ultimately a well-rounded Josh Allen, I I don't have to keep repeating what you guys are saying. It matters the most, and you really need him to make a difference, especially if they're an extremely tough matchup. We're doing something a little different, set upsets, whimpers, and thrills, but this will clearly be a, a thriller, no doubt, and we'll talk about it towards the end of the game and we're going to go over every single game this week, a rapid fire. And, um, yeah, this, this is very, a very, very interesting test for Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills. And if you believe anything in story arcs, this is clearly some type of peak, some type of conflict that will either make or break this team. (laughs) But I'll tell you one team that is truly broken and taking a huge risk with, what they announced this past week. The Indianapolis Colts, they played the Pats this week. Bill Belichick gets 
a coach fired and a slaughtering of a 26 to three victory of new England. Jimmy say the owner of the Colts said enough is enough after firing the offensive coordinator, after putting so many scapegoats around, they fire Frank Reich. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game, of course, but first we have to talk about the Colts deciding to hire NFL Hall of Famer in the uh, in or soon to be Hall of Famer Jeff Saturday as their new head coach, who was previously working as an analyst for ESPN. He has no professional coaching experience, just high school. And with this, a whole new staff had to get hired as well with just, well, not a whole new staff, but mostly a lot of major coaching changes were, were made. And I completely get the uh, ridicule the Colts are getting, especially for definitely for a lot of deserving candidates just get outright pushed to the side. And we can add this to the conversation as well, um, especially for minority coaches, which definitely, you know, puts a wrench in this argument now that, yeah, you can definitely make an argument about how minority coaches are getting passed up when you hire this this guy who happens to be white and also just no coaching experience at all. And again, we'll add that to the conversation a little later on, but the Colts are really hiring Jeff Saturday to be the head coach for a game this week. And this is a weird one. This is just straight up weird for lack of a better term. What do we think about the Colts making this decision and hiring Saturday after an embarrassing loss to New England this week? I guess no. Jim Irsay. Go ahead. Sorry. I guess Jim Irsay really wants to tank because you're putting your team at the worst possible situation ever, and honestly, just embarrassing. Like I actually, I, I don't. I'm actually. I'm not upset with Je- Jeff Saturday. You know, he got a job. Good for him. Like, I'm actually upset for his legacy because he's going to look like an absolute clown the first two to three weeks of coaching because never done it before on a professional stage. He doesn't know game time decisions on the professional stage. And his play caller is brand new. He's never done it before at the age of, I think, <laughs> like 30. Like, this is talk about an offense that is that was already bad. This is going to be terrible. There's no doubt in my mind. In my opinion, Matt Ryan will be put back in by the when he, when his shoulder is fully healthy at this point because it's a new coach and they're going to say why not give it another shot. It, it's it's just it's mind boggling to me. I also it's like if you were so um, if you had to pass up every single coach besides Frank Reich Reich on your current roster to get go for Jeff Saturday, what does that show you then in your confidence in this coaching staff throughout the entire season, even in the preseason and the offseason? So like that means you had a little to no faith before the season even started that any of them could be one day head coach caliber or just competent. So I think this was a lot of fool's gold this season on the Colts that we all believed a little bit. And I'm a little disappointed by the organization on how they have really botched the last five years post Andrew Luck. Yeah. You know, I like, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree with you more just on, 
this upcoming week's pick, I think Jeff Saturday is going to look phenomenal against my Raiders. I think he's going to look like world beaters beating up on a pathetic, shitty team like my my Raiders. But, um, you know, everything else you hit on besides that, Brian, was like spot on. It just feels like such an empty promise, such a waste of um, planning and preparation from this organization. And I was really just kind of taken back and, and you know, embarrassed by just how devolved this team kind of folded like a house of cards. I didn't think that being one quarterback away was really so far from their expectations. I thought that I didn't, I guess my, my point is I didn't see the demolition of this team top to bottom on the roster coming so quickly than anticipated because I thought that this, this, um, this offense and this defense was really elite. And I thought that they were just a quarterback away and, and we were sold a real fake bill of goods. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was same with you guys. I thought one quarterback away, I was a little nervous with them getting the older quarterbacks coming in, not the same Carson Wentz is old, but you know, hit Carson Wentz and then go Matt Ryan. And then things before that, um, you thought things were going to change uh, and it didn't. Uh, but just the hiring of Saturday was shocking when you have, coaches on the staff that had previous head coaching experience. Um, you know, you bring in a guy like Saturday unproven who does it even in high school as a high school coach, they didn't have a great track record. You bring him in uh, and now he has to coach a NFL team. And I understand he was a great player. Um, but again, you're kind of throwing him to the wolves and think this is going to be the solution for your franchise. And it's not, um, you know, could he have some great moments here and there? Yeah, sure. But this team is an absolute disaster right now. And to bring an unproven coach to this, uh, it just doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Um, I was like, oh, you know, they'll have Bradley or John Fox for the rest of the season. Then I see, I was like, who? Jeff, <laughs> who? This is who you bring in? Um, it's just a mess right now. I'm not surprised. It just seems like the Colts are just can't get out of their own way right now. It's a shame. Uh, you know, growing up, we knew those dominant years of the Colts, and that's how we knew them. They were just at a great team with a great quarterback, and then they strike it again with Andrew Luck and the shock drama, and then everything after Andrew Luck. It's really, if you look at that timeline, like ever since he retired, that team has no idea what they're doing. Uh, so it's just another thing where I'm like, yeah, just it's a cult. I guess it's the Colts thing, but that's the weird thing for us growing up seeing the Colts be dominant is that now we're categorizing them as a bad team and making bad decisions. So we'll see what happens with this, but I really don't think it's going to end well. And it's a four day for Saturday. I think the Jeff Saturday hiring, it's almost like when you go back to like, like university reunion and they have like a guest speaker and the only people they can get to guest speak is like an alma mater. That's like middle of the pack from his graduation class. It's like, this is the best you guys could do. It just seems almost like they're just throwing, they're just throwing the, everything in the kitchen sink at it because they're very desperate right now. Mm-hmm. I will say that he's going to look like a world beater for this week. And then they're going to get the shit kicked out of them the next four or five virtual <laughs> schedule. Yeah, it's funny how they're playing your your team, Alex. We'll get into that more down the line, too, when we talk about the Raiders. But I know it's not easy to talk about, but it should be mentioned that, you know, NFL's had a problem hiring uh, people of color head coaches. And when you see this, well, you kind of make their argument for them. And, uh, you know, we can cry to the wolves all we want, and there should be major changes with that. And everyone deserves a fair chance, wherever they come from. But like, how bad does this also look in that sense that you have, they passed up on so many viable coaches who are also people of color and 
you, you pick a, just another white guy with no experience at all. And you've had, you know, I know Reggie Wayne has gotten a lot of love as one of the few um, viable coaches. He's looking really good for what he's doing with the, with the wide receivers, but like, it just, isn't it just too bad that, that this kind of helps makes their argument when it comes to, um, you know, minority coaching hires, that this is exactly what, you know, Brian Flores is trying to fight for and all of that. Uh, speaking as someone who's mixed race, as you know, Matt and everyone usually knows I'm mixed race. Uh, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it's a little disappointing on my end. I, is this weird because it's like middle of the season? And I know some of the big minority candidates would probably not join a team middle of the season, but right. in-house, like it, to me, I'm like, you know, you probably have some people on your staff that you can, like I said, could give a shot to. And they went completely outside the box here, which is just really, really bizarre. Um, if it all goes well, sure, maybe Jeff Saturday deserves it. But at the end of the season, when there's a bunch of minority head coaching candidates, they better be bringing in three or four of those guys in for interviews. Um, I, I think, like you said, it's the drastic changes need to be done um, just because the numbers are so skewed. Um yeah, and I think there's a bunch of candidates that deserve shots and they don't have that. But I think with this argument, it's a little bit tough because it is a midseason. And to get a guy to right. leave the staff on another team to go there, like an Eric Biedemi or whoever, you know, names like that, who we've heard in, in conversations before would be tough. But like I said, I think if they did at the end of the season, they have to bring some of those guys in. Um, it, it really needs to happen. It shouldn't just be like, I'm filling my quota like we've seen in the past. Like, oh, I brought one guy in. Um, it needs to be at least a couple candidates. And, and who knows? If if, the, if the, they think someone else deserves it, they deserve it. You know, I, I have no place to say who deserves what. But I think there definitely needs more opportunities because to me lately, it just seems like, yeah, this is just the minority bringing in. And maybe he has a shot. But then we're going with this guy anyway. And it should be a little bit, a few more candidates here and there. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's going to, that. I think this is going to finally especially if Saturday looks awful. We're going to have more of these conversations. You were saying, Brian? Um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I also just wanted to bring up the topic of just like experience as well. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about how he has no experience. I just pulled up the Colts staff right now, yeah. and I'm just looking at them. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine coaches on that team that have 25 years or more of experience. <laughs> the linebacker coach has 44. Gus Bradley's been in the league yep. at D coordinator for 33 years. John Fox, 40. And like, has a Super Bowl win for him. Exactly. Kevin Mawai. Kevin Mawai yeah. is a Hall of Fame center on the mm-hmm. gym from, you know, we know him. Reggie Wayne, like, Reggie Wayne I, is a galvanizing leader. Yeah. Like, talk about a guy that would have been perfect for a team like this mm-hmm. right now. Because, like, Jeff Saturday is extremely vocal. Like, he's going to, they'll have an attitude adjustment for sure, and they won't be, lack, lack, you know, lackadaisical. But it just doesn't look good as an organization when you go automatically outhouse yep. and not in house for this situation. Especially, you know, you have, you have a very, if you look at the diversity on this um, coaching staff, there is a. They have a very well diverse coaching staff. If you actually look, like they, they they hit all demographics, and it's just a little. You know, it's sad that the, you know we can't like you know like we were talking about. You just have the minority, you know, just as a filler to check off that you won't get a lose a draft pick 
in your coaching hire. You know, it's a shame that we have that when we have such quality coaches mm-hmm. that it shouldn't be about this anymore. Well, and, and you already, like you mentioned, Brian, like you have such a multitude of options just in terms of like experience on that roster that are in house already to pick from. But you go with a guy who just got out from TV, and we know how that's gone in experience in recent past. It's like guys that are in TV, while they may have been played, they've already been disconnected from the game for so many years. They don't know what's going on. So they have so much catching up to do in such a short amount of time. Absolutely, guys. Absolutely. And good stuff. And just quickly on the other side, they, the Patriots did win again with Mac Jones this time. And, uh, you know, they got two, they got two major wins back to back, which they really needed after an embarrassing loss on Monday night against Chicago. And do we feel that the Colts, not the Colts, sorry, the Patriots can now get in at least a more comfortable position moving forward and make themselves a playoff team. And this clearly Bill Belichick's most difficult year coaching, at least since uh, at least since um, Brady's injury in 08. But I think that the, the AFC is. I'm going to say this: this is the one year where I don't see the Patriots. Um, they're so up and down, and I just see my, Miami's cruising. And I know the defense has been giving up a lot of points, but that offense is been clicking on all cylinders and you have the bills and we can't discount the bills. But if you look at the Patriots remaining schedule, they play the jets again. They play the Vikings. They play the bills again. They have the Cardinals, the Raiders, which probably win. Sorry, Alex, the Bengals, the dolphins, and then the bills again. So they have a very tough stretch for the second half of this season. And I think a lot of those teams minus the, the Vikings, uh, sorry, minus the Patriots, uh, or sorry, minus the Raiders, keep messing up, minus the Raiders, that's a tough stretch for them. And I honestly thought the first go-around against the Jets, the Jets should have had that game. They just had an epic collapse in that second half, and I think yep. they want the revenge coming into that next game. So I would not be surprised if the Jets play insanely better this time. And Zach Wilson owned up to his mistakes, and if you can do what he did with his Bills where he just keeps him in the game and minus, minus mistakes, I think they can walk away with a win. So I really don't see the Patriots getting out of the ACs, which is shocking to me. But I think the other three teams are a lot more viable right now than the Pats are. Geez, the last place New England Patriots team is very, very likely. Even if they do somehow pull off at least a, well, they can't do a 500 record, but if they win, they go nine and eight or something. (laughs) Interesting stuff. But that also with... How you know it already four losses? That'd be actually really good and impressive, but might not be good enough. I think you know if there is one division out of the AFC to have all four teams go in, I think it would be the AFC East. Mm-hmm. Only because I've made the parallel comparison that this division is kind of what I expected the AFC West to be at the outset of the season. So I think that they could probably still squeeze in as a seventh seed, but it's going to take you know, certainly a lot of tough battles down the second half stretch of the season. Um, I do think that a lot of what's going on with their recent success is just coaching dominance, you know, um, you know, overpowering, you know, the coaching matchup and then having a better ground game and, you know, uh, uh, defensive strategy, because you look at that game, I mean, nine sacks, it, it, it's, it's incomparable, you know, to, 
to say that they don't have a dominant uh, edge on on uh, on defense, you know, in most of these matchups. And, you know, they're basically just consuming holes of these quarterbacks. So especially with the Cleveland game and the Detroit game. So I think a lot of it has to do with some of those games um, and how they were matched up as well. I also think we should take a look at this. They're better than the Jets, if you think about it, offensively, and they have a more of a pedigree on defense just because of experience. They're only a game out of, you know, what are they, a game and a half out of first place in the division? Like, this is a very, like, if Josh Allen gets hurt, that's a complete collapse. Everyone moves up. You don't ever trust the Jets because they're the Jets. They're like the Knicks. So, you know what I mean? Like, this could just, you know, they could they could make some noise right now. And if you really think about it, and a head-to-head matchup against the Jets, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be another close game. Like these, they all like all these division games are gonna be close. Mm-hmm. They might luck out with collapses. The Bengals might collapse by then. It's possible. You know, the Cardinals are, are on their way to becoming a dumpster fire. So like, it's possible that they just you know catch fire at the correct time and they like make a run. The NFL is so weird. And that's exactly why we go to it every week with stuff like this. So interesting stuff ahead for both the Colts and the Patriots. Now let's talk about something that really, really, really can uh, now make you think about a lot of things, not only in his life, maybe your own life. I think it's true. There are really people in this world with the highest highs and they coast in those high highs whatever career you do whatever life you live and then sometimes just through fate through life being life shit brings you down Aaron Rodgers back to back super back to back MVPs won the Super Bowl stays consistent and the only times that the Packers really have done bad over the past decade was when he was hurt, broke his collarbone. And um, what was it? 2018, right? Aaron Rodgers is healthy now. He's lost five games in a row for the Packers. Mostly his weapons have been there for him. And now when you go, when it's now truly a full month of, of this painful losses where the Another Wisconsin team who plays baseball, the Milwaukee Brewers, have won a game soon, um, sooner since uh, the have won a game more recently since the Packers won, and baseball's over. And now, when you saw this Alliance team that is truly playing with playing against ghosts and really shooting themselves in the foot, looking so bad, even though they are lovable losers. And one team next to the Bears that Aaron Rodgers truly has dominated his whole career and arguably, you know, has beaten the Lions franchise more handedly. He's killed the Lions his whole career. And then when you see him lose this time in an absolute messy football game with with two major turnovers in the red zone and you just see the frustration, the true emotion and you really saw an angry person, not only an angry quarterback, not only an angry world-renowned athlete who I know is clearly now on a decline, even despite all of the praise I've given him and everyone else. You really saw a defeated man on that Ford Field Sunday night. Like, 
not that I'm saying you know, you feel you don't have to feel bad for the guy or anything, but like on a human level, you you really saw this guy is truly bothered now, and there's still a whole other half of football to go. And it's going to be really hard for the Packers to make the playoffs. They likely aren't at this point. But truly seeing just someone get defeated like he has been, what do we think about Aaron Rodgers in arguably his darkest moment of his career so far next to the injuries? But this is this is what makes it even worse. And if I come off as some Aaron Rodgers apologist, so be it. And I understand that. But this guy... Really, uh, really is going through it, and I will check out his uh Tuesday's conversations with McAfee, and it's just it's tough to see somebody really, really, um, you know, go about. You have to see him every week, and you see how sad the guy is. Uh, it's tough to see. I don't know, maybe to not to some, but to to me and others and whoever. It's it's really interesting to see how defeated this guy looks right now. How do we feel about that? And you know, I know Renelio probably is a is I'll I'll actually toss it him first for somebody who has oh, pointed this out. Do you want to just show the opposite reaction and say, ha ha, I told you so loser, loser, loser. <laughs> no, I'm a good Christian boy. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna rub I don't wanna rub the dog's face in the poo. Um I'm just gonna kinda let it marinate, let it sit. I think this is a season that is this is like the bill coming to the table that's way overdue. Um I think that this yeah. team and this roster construction has been in steady, slow decline over years past. And I do feel bad for um I feel bad for Rodgers in some respect because he didn't really have, you know, a whole lot of hands on this construction. But, I mean, we can go back over the tapes in episodes past. I think there's a lot of blame to go around. But I think that, you know, what we expect and anticipate to transpire the remainder of the season is kind of something that's well overdue in terms of how this team and how the um, Aaron, you know, as a player and a leader has prepared for um prepared for this so i think that a lot of this stuff is just coming to fruition that was um kicked down the road so to speak and uh you know it'll be uh it'll be a point of inflection for him and we'll see what happens you know they may just blow this whole thing up after the season and he still got him for two more years after this season so what do you want to do I mean, it makes sense if you want this as a lost year get high in the draft and you know i don't know if it's going to be the final lead draft a major tight end for him or if they a uh, a solid wide receiver or whatever is it now what yeah. oh sorry um well i was just gonna say if i had to guess like if i had to put my tinfoil hat on i would say that this would be the year that he walks away and retires temporarily almost like a brady situation and returns back with either a new team or with the packers organization two years later when things have settled because clearly like there's more on his mind, more distracting him outside of football that he needs to just quash or take care of or whatever that case may be, whether that's getting married or, you know, doing things out on the road, like doing more mushrooms and doing all this crazy shit. Like if that's what 
would fulfill him, like go do that, you know, clear your mind and come back to things if you feel that's necessary. But it feels like there's just too many things distracting him. And I think that maybe taking some time away from football, because we've seen like quarterbacks with, you know, the health and nutrition and wellness, like you can extend your career another four or five, six years with the proper dedication and, and tools at your disposal. So I don't think losing a year at his age will do as much harm that it would in years past. Been interesting, and the the only other thing you wondered with that, say that you switch him and Tua, and have the most susceptible, um, you have the most susceptible weapons there. Would he play the exact same way? Because he's not playing like dog shit. It's yeah. really everyone else. Yeah. I mean, he had a no, rough game against the Lions. Oh, the Lions, yes, bad. Lions for sure. But throughout the, I like, let put it to you this way: he's not. He's not. <laughs> want to toss it over? Maybe when I really think not, it, it really it's he's twenty fifth. He's twenty fifth in QBR right now. He has the exact same TD to interception ratio as Jared Goff, and he is only the difference between the passing yards between him and Goff are like a hundred yards. And Goff had Amon St. Brown and DeAndre Swift out for a majority of the time, and he doesn't have Hawkinson anymore. So it's like I the, the entire you know I was agreeing with Alex for most of the season on how oh, I feel bad for Rodgers I feel bad for Rodgers honestly fuck this dude he's playing like a bum he's playing <laughs> like a bum you can't throw b- off your back foot cross body on a play action to a tackle and expect an athletic DFD end who went top three in the draft to not pick that off you're just making bad decisions and I will always say this every quarterback starts the season as the best quarterback, all 32 of them, because they haven't played yet. And the minute the first throw happens, that's when we see what happens. You have the conscious decision to throw a ball, either forcing it or throw it away in the NFL. And Aaron Rodgers is deciding to force the ball, in my opinion, as a way to stick Mm -hmm. it to the organization and say, I'm throwing to these guys that you didn't get me help for, and they're dropping and making mistakes. But he's forcing the ball to these guys when they're not in good positions. So, yeah, they're making mistakes because he's not putting them in the right spot as well. It's, it's you know, it takes two to tango here. And he's, you know, he's deciding to just point the finger and not do some self-evaluation as well. It's a little aggravating now because he's been off the hook for a, a while in his career, and he's been a very me, me, me guy. I'm okay. I haven't done anything wrong. And, you know, maybe he needs to do a little ayahuasca and look in the mirror and tell himself, I am the problem. Maybe I should humble myself a little bit. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I completely agree with that, too. Uh, also, just real quick, I think the biggest lose-lose of the year is the Devontae Adams trade uh, for them. I think clearly Rodgers is, and I think Devontae Adams wants to be back in Green Bay, and Aaron Rodgers definitely wants to be back in Green Bay, because I think he is doing throws to say, this is why you should have kept Devontae here and paid the man because he would make those th- catches half the time. And then you saw that in the fourth quarter of that game. He was throwing things off his back foot. And then on the last play, he was trying to blame the receiver for running the wrong route as it was like a miscommunication. He sailed it and then the game ended because he thought he was going to be in the corner, but the, really the receiver was going to the middle of the end zone. It's just aggravating at this point, just seeing this um, because it only comes to some point where you can blame the receivers, right? You know, me being a Giants fan, I could blame the receivers for drop balls because I know these guys aren't high draft picks. But when you have talented rookies and they try to get you some pieces here and there and veteran receivers, it can only go so long for you to keep on being like, I don't have receivers. 
they keep on throwing receivers away and all that stuff. It's great when you had Devontae Adams, but now you don't have him anymore. You have to adjust, and you have to take the blame on yourself that you're not performing well. You threw three picks against that Lions defense that has given up a bazillion points. I mean, the Lions offense can score, but their defense cannot handle anyone. And you walk away with nine points against that Lions defense. Nine. It's ridiculous to me. And just looking at some of his Lions stats, we were talking about it, he's now 18-7 and versus the Lions. He's thrown... 53 touchdowns against them and now 11 picks. He used to dominate them in this game. You're like, oh, he's going to do it again. Nope. So, and like he, yeah, you continue. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say my last point real quick, Brian, before you go back to you is like, he has to look at himself in the mirror first and be like, I have to make adjustments now. I can't blame anyone else. But Brian, you did, you did have it. And like, he can't, he can't complain that like he doesn't have weapons. Alan Lazard is officially a number one Mm -hmm. receiver in the Mm -hmm. NFL. The man makes plays. Every week, he ha- he ha- he's the only person I know that's consistently had yep. a touchdown almost every single week he's been healthy in the NFL. Besides Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, most players can't say that. You know, Robert Tanyan is a top 15 tight end. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are capable running backs. You know, Aaron Jones, in my opinion, is a top five athlete in the NFL mm-hmm. just because of his versatility. You know, it just it doesn't make sense anymore. Also, is this is also falls on coaching. I'm sorry, but Aaron Rodgers can't be the the leading rusher with 40 yards. Yeah, can't happen. No. You know, I also I mentioned this in in the preseason when we talked about this. Aaron Rodgers consistently has said this offseason how he hates the offense because he grew up in a West Coast offense, and I honestly think he got McCarthy fired. He's trying to get Lafleur in the boot. This is my opinion. Hearing not a lot of good reviews with uh, LaFleur. A lot of people upset in Green Bay over what he has been doing this year. So a real big mess in the uh, cheese land. Now let's talk about the other quarterback who go hand in hand and evaluating. Is he washed or not? And you know what? After this week, maybe he got a little more left than Aaron Rodgers for sure. Tom Brady leads his Buccaneers offense, and they defeat the Los Angeles Rams who are on their way to being a real forgettable team in this league. 13 to 6 could have gone either way, but um, some bad late game execution from Sean McVay has led to another bad loss for the Rams. So Aaron, so um, Tom Brady looking like his old self, you know, throwing for over 275 yards, gets a touchdown in there. Um, you know, major, they even though they definitely don't have a running game whatsoever. And um, the weapons he had are underperforming as well. But and when is it when? And uh, Tom Brady is very lucky to be in a very bad NFC South division. And, you know, we go back and forth. Um Back and forth of that division on who's going to be good, who's not. We thought last week maybe the Atlanta might have an edge to them, but they lost this past week too. And Tom Brady takes advantage of it. So does Tom Brady have anything left after this week? And even though maybe we might even say uh, we might even take it back (laughs) next week, uh, this upcoming week, if he loses again. But for now, is there any inkling? that uh, Tom Brady has anything for this past week? Or did he just take advantage of a weak team? 
Yeah, uh, I'll quickly say that. Uh, I I was impressed. Yeah, it's it's classic Tom Brady moment shines. The man has been amazing in the two minute drill, but where was it for the other three and a half quarters? Just that, just just asking. Yeah, and, 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 and that was the key thing with me. You know, just looking at both those teams, the, the main thing. You know, I have a friend who's a big Buccaneers fan. Their offensive line is horrendous. They're and the same you can say with the same with the Rams, and that's why they're struggling. You have two older quarterbacks on both teams with struggling offensive linemen, and Brady just can't be Brady. He doesn't have the time to do that, and he's older, and he you know obviously can't run and you know barely ran anyway when he was in his prime, right? Um, I was telling my friend that's, who's a Bucks fan, I said, this could be the moment. Like, that could be the moment that turns the season around for them and they start clicking and they had a positive end of the game and, you know, vintage Brady's back. And But, where like, we just aren't seeing the Bucks like we used to or Brady as we used to where he's just consistently steady for four quarters of a game and he keeps you in position. It's just like one spark moment here and there. And it's like, oh, okay, there he is. And, and we – that can be sustained for a whole season, right? You, that's not conducive to a Super Bowl winning team. When he won the Super Bowl with the Bucs, it was just like he was electric that whole year. And now it's just like got a flashes in a pan moment. So mm-hmm. could that game winning drive be a moment to propel them to success? Sure. But we have to see this team be consistent for four quarters. And so far this year, we haven't seen that at all. Yeah, I feel like a win like this just kind of feels like a Band-Aid on, a, on an open wound. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was a lackluster win, to say the least. I think that they got a lot of improvements to do, especially, you know, clearing out that IR that's piling up now. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, the um, you know, Brady throwing 58 times is definitely not advantageous. Uh, they got to fix the running game somehow, some way, even with the, you know, a provolone cheese offensive line. So, you know, I think for for Tampa, I think leaning on that defense, particularly when you have four sacks against this team like the Rams, um, that's gonna you know help give you know give you short fields and easy opportunities. But they got to capitalize. They got to find ways to dial up something else. You know, uh, something else. I think Byron Leftwich you know needs to sit down with Brady and you know kind of figure something out you know, in the interim and try to get, you know, this offense back on track because um, I think this division is still wide open. I would probably lean towards Atlanta right now. But, again, I don't necessarily trust Arthur Smith over Todd Bowles and that Tampa team. So it, it's difficult right now. I'll, t- I'll tell you, man, a team that needed Jeff Saturday more than the Colts is <laughs> his bu- Buccaneers, man. His <laughs> offensive line is atrocious. I'm actually embarrassed to watch them run the ball. Like, oh, but there's, there's also like they don't help themselves when you have a bad offensive line. Do you know you do? You do 11 personnel and you have a running back and a tight end or you go 12 personnel and you have a tight end and a fullback and a running back. And guess what you do? I pro up the middle and you get yards, especially with a bell cow like Lennon Fournette. This team should be playing like the LSU of old with mm-hmm. him running the ball. Like you have to play towards the strength of your team and they cannot do that. And it aggravates me. This team is built off strong run and play action. They lost Gronk and they lost offensive linemen. So it's like, let's not block anymore and let's go to a spread offense and just try to air it out. We got Mike Evans, who is the best worst wide receiver in the league because he's just, you know, a, a freak, but he doesn't show up. He's hurt. This, these are issues. You know, they need to find their identity and they need to do it quick because this could be the pinnacle moment where 
the lights go on in Brady's head. He just got his new penthouse in in uh in Fort Lauderdale, and he's partying it up right now. He's single man, and he's ready to go on a Awful tear. Awful bye week too. Awful bye week. He's on a tear right now. The man is literally walking in playing roulette, putting all his money on red and going. It's time to now give him the fuel for this. I'm sure once he hears your rant, Brian, that's exactly what'll happen. <laughs> it's got to give him the energy. As as for the Rams, who I don't even want to talk about <laughs> soon, uh, they're just not a Super Bowl team. Week after week, we talk about how disappointing this team is, and I think after this loss, um, you know, it's our due diligence to talk about all 32 teams and mention them at least. But the Rams are straight up embarrassing and disgraceful to watch and we have more adjectives for other teams stronger ones to use but for a team that um clearly shows what happens all right we're gonna put everything fuck our future into this one season we win the thing and it's great even for an underappreciate an unappreciate unappreciative city and fan base like the los angeles rams fan base you now you now see this team that um just doesn't make any sense. All oh, they, their their defense gets beat easily. Matt Stafford, you know, we thought he was going to get a resurgence, and maybe that resurgence has only been a year resurgence. Hey, good enough, right? Um, but if they didn't have Cooper Cup, this this would be unwatchable in all sense. Not exciting whatsoever. Jalen Ramsey isn't who he used to be. Um, the running back problems are extensive. Allen Robinson is Kenny Galladay bad. Um, sad, 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 sad. Bobby Wagner, too bad that uh, he goes to his hometown and uh, it's just not the same. I'll tell you this, though. This is what uh, this team really makes me think about. Is it better to win a Super Bowl and be bad the rest of the decade or pull a Uno reverse card and be the Dallas Cowboys and win 10, 11 games a season and lose in the wild card? What's that's, better? That's so weird. That's, that's, I don't even know how to answer that question. Right? What's better, I, uh, yeah. a, a Super Bowl ring or just consistently being relevant? If, if they were still in St. Louis, I think a lot of them would sign up for the Super Bowl. And be agreed. Yeah, it's just so weird to me that like the LA Rams are are kind of like the you know the celebrity team now in LA and and honestly, but they don't have the tires. There's still probably some really big fans there. Don't get me wrong, but like St. Louis, that place would be rocking right now. And I think oh, they, they, they all team up for a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. and and yeah, you know, but it's just weird. Like they they kept on trying to do the method, and it worked once, right? Like you they they bottled up and they won a Super Bowl and then they just threw their future away and they're trying to do it again and it's just not working and that's unfortunate I think they should have just done it once and then see how the rest of it played out like okay we bottled up we we wrote but then you hear stories like they were trying to offer multiple first round picks and a second round pick to get Brett Burns on their roster and that's not like a key thing that they're missing right now like we said the the, the similarities bucks and the rams their offensive line's terrible and they have two old quarterbacks behind them that just can't move so you bottle the pressure and they there you go right and we see Stafford not be the player he used to be and that's the thing but that's a really good question uh but it makes you think but i think like i said if they were in st louis everyone would have signed up for super bowl suck for 10 years or whatever the case might be 
and they'll be fine because they're used to losing. But now they're back in LA and now the pressure's on them. And now everyone's kind of being like, what the hell? We just want a Super Bowl. And now we're bad. Like, what's going on here? So it is definitely an interesting debate to see. And we'll see what happens with the future of this team. But yeah, it's not looking great right now for them. Don't make a deal. Oh, you were saying? I was just going to chip in by saying, just like everything else in LA, it's all fake. So you got to you got to look at this team and assess them artificially as well. They were kind of constructed, you know, as almost like a paper tiger. They they had one phenomenal season where they broke through, but I don't see this um, construction of a roster lasting more than a year or two because of the fact that they went all in. And then you had Whitworth retire, you had OBJ walk, you have injuries all over the place, and you haven't had production from guys that you brought in that you expected to produce. So I think a lot of um, this amalgamation has just been poor planning. And a real I, quick I think... thing. Oh, uh, real quick, I just want to measure Yeah, go. But the quick thing is, a lot of people also forgetting that, like, McVay could be gone soon. Donald could oh, yeah. be gone soon. Stafford could be signed soon. And Rams or whoever. They're yep. supposed to have some weird patent thing where, like, once this window closes, all of them are gone. Just a thing to note, but you're going to get that right now. Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. Like, they're basically all going to jump ship at the same time. But, like, I think this might be the time where, I can't believe I'm going to say it, you need to get your draft picks back. You might have to trade <laughs> Cooper Cup in the offseason. Yeah. You might have to trade Cooper Cup and get yourself two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Right. Don't make a deal with the devil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got to do it. You're going to need a, you're going to need to do it. Um, And like, I also like this team easily, they, they, you know, they, they, you know, they love selling their draft picks. There's no reason why they couldn't got, couldn't have gotten Calvin Ridley. Yeah. From the Falcons. No reason. Sad, 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 sad. Let's continue the sad theme. <laughs> okay. I want to play you something off of NFL hate memes. Look what somebody DM'd Derek Carr. Oh please! Oh, it's your biggest <laughs> here. I want to congratulate you on a great season because you suck. Pass the dictionary, and you will be right there smiling with a football in your hand. Two and six. We lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who never won a Super Bowl. They never had a victory. They don't know what winning is. They jumping around like they won a Super Bowl when they beat us. You disrespected every single legend that wore the silver and black. You suck. You suck. We got all the great receivers, this great stadium. For what? For you to be a bum and get two wins? Two and six? Are you serious? We can have a crackhead fresh off the street, and he will get at least five wins. At least. You suck. Retire. I'm done being a Raider fan. I can't even argue with people when they call us trash because we trash when we have you as QB. You suck. Hey, Derek, how's it going? <laughs> Was that, did you take that? Did you record that from my bedroom last weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just say your it, thoughts, Alex. After losing to the uh, after losing to the Jaguars this past week and blowing another game again. <laughs> oh man! Fire everybody! Bye bye! Everybody that's not named Devonte Adams, Josh Jacobs, or no, that's about it. Fire everybody else. Fire Waller. He's hurt all. He's been hurt. That's true. That yeah, that's the problem. He's got a good heart. He's got a heart of gold. But if you can't get on the field, then don't even bother. I, it, it's it's so sad, man. The, the expectations were sky high. Um, 
Uh, McDaniel's just such a phony, such a bust. He should never, he should never coach again in his life. Doesn't matter what level of coaching, unless he's a Patriot. Like I am so dead serious about it. I don't wish ill on his family or him or anything, but he has just brought so much embarrassment and disdain to this team that was just so riding high, like off the playoffs last year, literally being three or four snaps away from beating Cincinnati. And it's like, you can't even, you can't even get a win against Jacksonville. I mean, they look like, they look like dog shit out there just on offense. Like it's, it's bad enough that the defense has holes and and is, is horrible in the red zone, but the offense was supposed to be the shining beacon of this team. And they, they can't even move the ball. It is just an embarrassment. Just the way they collapse in the second half is all coaching. It, it's just it's just nothing short of a disappointment every week. I don't think there's uh, much else to add to that except ask you <laughs> something. Uh, I was just going to say, uh, I knew McDaniel that was going to be a disaster when it happened. Um, and they, the Raiders should have saw it. But they're like, oh, shiny toy. Yeah, let's get bring him in. And exactly. it's like, can you not see? Like, history repeats itself. Like, yep. why do people not realize that? Like, yep. he leaves the first time. It was a disaster. Goes back to the wing. It's a success. Why would you think if he leaves again, it's going to be a success? Yep. He, he is a tremendous offensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. But he is a terrible head coach. And it's showing yep. again. And you have all these weapons. And they're one of the worst offenses I've seen. I was like, oh, McDaniel, perfect. You got it. Devante, Jacobs, Waller, other weapons Red that you get a, a bunch of good, t- yep. nothing, nothing. <laughs> so it's, I don't know why they did it. I really it's it's baffles me. Baffles me. If you really think about it, this team was built like that early Randy Moss Patriots teams, mm-hmm. like Randy Moss, Devonte Adams, yeah. Wes Welker, <laughs> Hunter Renfro, yep. uh, you know Gronk, Waller. Josh Drake, Josh Jacobs, you know, Curtis Martin at the end and Corey, Corey Dillon. Dillon. Like, what's going on? I it's not even Derek Carr's fault because like he did play a decent game. It comes down to I think this offensive scheme does not fit these no. players. And there is a quote from last year from Hunter Renfro saying he would not get drafted in t- um, the teams that had typical offenses because the way he runs routes is not the typical route tree. He is a uh, he. P- plays off of reading players not off the route tree and i you could see this every single week because hunter renfro looks like a bum compared to previous seasons he's not not being productive at all and i think that's what's really killing this offense is the lack of the cole beasley you know as the dallas fan that's what i always think of cole beasley always got third and threes third and fives he got you the slant got cracked and still held on to the ball that's what renfro does and they're not getting that anymore because they're not scheming him to his best of his abilities. And that's where I think they're losing most of these games because they can't extend drives because their drive extenders are not put in the correct situations. You can't rely on a 50-50 ball all the time. It does not work. It's why it's called 50-50. Yeah, it feels like they're just not even built on solid ground anywhere. I really feel bad because you get like maximal effort from a guy like Max Crosby and week after week, it's just completely wasted. And I, it's just amazing that they keep parading out the secondary in this defense and expecting any different results from, from the week prior. And it's like, they look worse every week. Um, and you know, and again, you know, it's reduced down to coaching when you see these second half collapses, because that's all preparation. That's effort. It's, and you're supposed to make second half adjustments and he's just, he's just a phony. 
51 season, you know, the first 51 seasons of, sorry, the first 61 seasons of the Raiders, they only blew five 17, 17 plus point games, and they've blown three of them this year. No. Oh, shit. Doesn't surprise me. Too fucking bad, man. Uh, and Too also with the Raiders, bad. didn't they like? Didn't they just set something with? Didn't they just cut another first round pick? Am I? Yeah, am I Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abrams, right? So I'm it's trying like, to think. It's like it's what, so now, six years in a row that they they the players yep. who they selected in the first round is no longer with the team. They whiff everywhere. With yes. everywhere, but here's also like this is really how you know they're in bad coaching. You know what happens when a safety isn't playing well in coverage? You move them to linebacker, and they didn't even do that. Like, that's yeah. how you know there's bad coaching. Jonathan Abram hits like a house. He's a tank. Play him in the box in the inside if he's getting exposed in coverage. Like, it's just like, where where's the coaching decisions here? Like, where's the common sense? Yep. Yeah. I'm just looking at their first-round picks from the last few years. Oh, it's, so bad. it's so bad. Gary O'Connelly oh, no. not there. Kellen Farrell bust. Jonathan Abram cut. Henry Ruggs cut, obviously. Damon Arnett, Alex Leatherwood, both cut. Insane. <laughs> like I said, yeah. the NFL. The NFL is a real, real animal. <laughs> the Chiefs and the Titans played. Malik Willis got the start. And all he did was pretty much give it to Derrick Henry. Kept the game competitive. But the Chiefs pulled off the victory. 12, 20-17. And, um, you know, shouts to Mahomes once again, putting the team on his back, using various receivers he has to uh, have 446 total passing yards. He threw, he had 43 completions on his own. Oh, man. Chico. Now that now it was a little too close to comfort, the game did go to overtime, and I think Vrabel is so underrated for keeping his uh, teams competitive, even with the various injuries they've had. But, you know, a win is a win. And uh, the Chiefs pulled it off. You know, I guess the big, you know, what else can we say about the Chiefs? They know how to win. They have various players. And Mahomes just shows why he's a top two quarterback in this league. He just makes it work. So I don't think there's much to really analyze in that sense. Mm-hmm. But for the Titans, though, it's a loss. But some can may even say it was a moral loss because uh, this is this is even if say for some reason at five and three they they make the wild card and fall short or whatever. But um, or maybe they just lose close games. But you guys got to give credit to Mike Vrabel what he does. Very very good coach, and you always wondered. What would Derrick Henry be like with a legit quarterback? And, uh, you know, he's still got a long ways to go to see if Malik, Malik Willis is going to be the guy. But um, how about what Mike Vrabel has been able to do with his Tennessee Titans? It's absolutely amazing. Like, if Ryan Tannehill plays this game, they probably beat the Chiefs mm-hmm. just because they, you know, they get those third downs. Like, they're not relying so much on the run. And if you even look at it, like, they only, like, had, they ran the ball 29 times and they threw 16 times. Like, they really didn't have a lot of offense going on. The defense, really, you know, they lost this game because their defense was exhausted. Like, I hope these guys take a nice nap for a little bit after this game because, like, they got their asses kicked on defense just because of how long they were on the field. Um, 
And, you know, this is a depleted offense with no big-name receivers or anything like that because of the A.J. Brown trade. But guess what? They get in draft picks. It's a good, uh, you know, wide receiver and tight end draft. This is a team that, you know, might want to trade up and try to get that tight end from Georgia. I forgot I forget his name, but he's supposedly going to be like a top 10 pick um, who's lights out. Um I don't know if Derrick Henry's ever going to play well with a good quarterback because I don't think v- that's the you know Vrabel's kind of offense. I think he's more of a Patriot type kind of guy, run the ball, play hard nose, smash now, smash mouth football. So you know Derrick's going to always carry the ball and see you know and you know that's he's going to be their number one option at all times, and the quarterback's going to play second fiddle. So it's going to always be, in my opinion, a hard free agency market for a quarterback. Yeah, uh, real quick, the tight end. I'm a Georgia fan. Were you talking about Brock Bowers? Is that the um, tight end you're thinking of? No, this is, uh, I can't think. What is his name? I'll look it up. I, I, I'll, I'll, yeah. There's a couple of good – obviously, I'm a Georgia fan, but there's a lot of good weapons on Georgia's team uh, that they'll be drafted. As you saw, their whole defense was drafted last year. They're out, there's going to be a lot of good offensive weapons this year. Um, but, no, if you, if you told me that Malik – uh, Willis is going to throw 16 times this game and the Chiefs or the Titans are going to be in within three or a chance to win. Sign me up for that. I think they still don't trust him right now, but there were some moments watching Willis and I was watching that game intently just to see him play. Um, there were some moments that I thought he was impressive. He made some really good throws, but there's some other moments where you can kind of see he's still learning the game. Um, but for what Vrabel does, I mean, I think that guy is so underrated. I think he's going to be a coach in this league for a really long time. I think he's in the perfect program. And like you said, that A.J. Brown trade, if they nail that that those draft picks and get some more talent on this team, I think everyone should watch out. They're consistent contenders. Uh, I think the Tannehill injury does obviously hurt them. We saw that, right? There was just some moments where they were kind of nervous to trust Willis, where I think in Tannehill they can say, okay, on this throw, we can trust you to make these plays. But with Willis, they were kind of afraid that maybe he would be a little behind or rush it or, you know, try to play hero ball. So they're very reserved with him. But for what Vrabel does, that team is so consistently good. And I think going forward, I think that team is going to be really, really solid. And, you know, I know they're missing A.J. Brown. That was their kind of security blanket of a receiver. But they made the move when they did. And if they turn those picks into some solid pieces, I think that team's the Super Bowl contender for the next few years. So I think, you know, I I don't want to, you know, uh, delay the kind of the inevitable point. I think this was like one of the greatest like coaching duels in a regular season game, you know, in recent memory. Um, You know, there's some that we could look back to, but I think this is definitely one of those up there. But I think what this game really boiled down to, if you look at the numbers, I think Tennessee just simply ran out of gas defensively. I thought they had played a lockdown game in the first half. Um, you know, by all available statistics, like they did a really solid game. I mean, I know that the passing game blew up, but like a lot of that stuff was, you know, uh, large chunk yardage in the second half. And I think that this team kind of just broke down. They were like really exhausted and tired. And I thought that this was just kind of a grinded out game until um, until the second half concluded. So I think that, you know, these are two teams that are going to be in contention towards the end of every year in the AFC. And I, I, I really, you know, I have a lot of faith in Vrabel um, with this organization as long as they can stay healthy. But I think this has to be an offensive, you know, offensive um, – as the offense has to run through uh, Derrick Henry for the future, no matter who you draft or who you put in there schematically with it, uh, with the uh, with the quarterback. Let's talk about another. Our last point. Uh, last comment. Last comment. 
throw all your money at Lamar Jackson in this offseason because this offense yeah. would thrive having oh a my God, quarterback. That'd be that'd be nasty if he was there. Like I know you drafted <laughs> Willis, but like that's you gotta think big picture. Like who is you would need to put all eleven guys in the box to stop the run. Yeah. Even right. then. Another thriller. Miami and Chicago, where we've seen Justin Fields have a historic game rushing. The man rushed for 178 yards, more than his passing yardage. Kept it close. Uh, maybe Chase Claypool even only had two receptions for 13 yards. Rejuvenates this offense. And a Bears team that made a lot of moves during uh, um, this season already. But the Dolphins keep the momentum up to a shows that when healthy, he is a really, really solid quarterback in this league. You know, for Chicago, I think uh, we should talk about how Justin Fields, maybe even if the record isn't pretty, he at least has earned another year in this league, right, as a starter. You know, we all have a we, we all have a group chat. Um, what I text on the way home from work today is we all have to apologize Justin Fields because we were doing him dirty for a couple of weeks um, for most of the season because of the lack of production and I'm going to eat my own words and say this man is proven week by week in the last three weeks that he's legit Um, he can make plays he's a drive extender he's in like a mini Lamar Jackson making moves making plays you know he's 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 efficient too you know 17 to 28 is you know against you know this Miami team you know who does give up a lot of points but their cornerbacks are I would say you know you know their veterans locked down um you know that's that's a good stat line and you know the rushing game speaks for itself 178 yards you know this team has a lot of promise even at three and six just because of how weak the NFC is they maybe they make a splash and go for a run now um I think it's more or less though they're losing these close games just because of the lack of defensive talent on the back front and the secondary. Mm. But, uh, you know, this team definitely should be, you know, don't they have like a hundred million dollars in cap space? Probably now after they move some of the players and some yes. of the they did, yeah. I think they have close to like a hundred million in cap space this off season. I wouldn't be shocked if this is a, a rags to riches team for the following season. Yeah, I'm going to say I completely agree. I think the one the game that really flipped for me was I was watching the Manny cast for the the Bears Pats game and for me just seeing how they were reacting to him and and, and for me I, I was never a hater of Justin Fields. I was just always confused on why the Bears didn't let him be who he is, which is just a game record with his legs. He can throw the ball exactly. They kind of kept him reserved and then seeing him in that Pats game I'm like, "Oh, okay, the the, the Bears are finally letting him loose." And then what you saw against that Dolphins game, I'm like, this is what this dude can do. And the Bears need to let him get comfortable. And if he wants to run a bunch and be mini Lamar, and, but be efficient when he throws the ball, then let it be the case. And they added some weapons. They have Chase and they have, you know, Darnell Mooney's a good receiver. And Cole Komet is a good tight end. I think they have the pieces. And what Brown was saying, I think this is a, it could be a rags to reach team. They have the cap space. They can make moves. But I feel like this, this, this coaching staff is finally letting Justin be Justin, where it's like if, if he can scramble on third and sixes and pick up eight yards and ten yards and he's running and nothing's happening and he wants to make moves and you're just impressed of what he can do, let him do it. Let him be him. And you saw that in the, the Dolphins game when he, he is so comfortable when he was just like, 
I don't have anything, but I'm getting five yards. To the point of the Dolphins coach, it was really funny, but McDaniel really was like, stop scrambling. And he said that in his press conference, too. He's like, that. yeah, it was like, yeah, I told him to stop scrambling. And he's like, he just wouldn't. It was annoying. And I was like, this is what this Bears team could do. Like, Justin Fields is going to annoy you the same way as Lamar Jackson annoys you. You're just like, I, I, I put all the pressure on him, but next thing you know, he's running for 17 yards. And I'm like, I can't do anything to stop him. And I think that's what you have to do with Justin Fields going forward. And I think that's what this Bears team is going to do. And I think they're going to be a really fun team to look at in the second half of the season. Yeah, and I'll I think that was the push. I think there's more of – oh, go ahead first, Brian. Sorry. He reminds me of rookie year RG3. Mm-hmm. Like, this yeah. team reminds me of that Redskins team. Like, it's just like – just that's all I wanted to say. It's, it popped in my brain. But I, I think, you know, more critically, if we if we look at actual, you know – the prospects for this team moving forward because now Green Bay is, you know, kind of in a slump that they're, they have a lot of questions. So it really just becomes a matter of, you know, Minnesota at the top and even them, they're a little unstable. Um, you know, how far can you go with this new front office? They got this guy, Ryan Poles, the new general manager. He's from the Kansas City tree. He was overseeing a lot of the drafting classes that they partook in um, the past, you know, 10 years with that organization. So I have a lot more faith in him than Ryan Pace and the old GM and that old uh, regime to kind of correct some of their their woes and miscues and, and, and um, you know, incompetence on the offensive side of the ball. Because I know that they can do defense regardless of who's in there. But, um, you know, having a little more faith in, you know, this new guy, this new general manager, and, and you know, their, their, their sights set for the offense uh, with Justin Fields. I think now you're seeing more of uh, a willingness to kind of cooperate with, you know, uh, a college style offense, especially with these uh, quarterbacks coming out. And uh, for me, I just have questions with, you know, his arm strength, but I don't, I don't uh, discount the fact that they could put up points. Nope. 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 No doubt about it. That Uh, Lamar Jackson with no, with many of his compadres injured, still pulls off a win on Monday night against the Saints. You know, they're just a, uh, again, they're a lame duck team. Andy Dalton, you know, doing the best he can. But um, Lamar Jackson shows why he's so damn good. And wait until he gets some of his players back too. But Lamar Jackson again, and especially halfway through the season, he is the MVP of this league, arguably, especially with Josh Allen having some tough games. Uh, you guys feel this with Lamar? Yeah, uh, I and that was definitely a- earned his uh, uh, a fat contract at the end. Of yeah. The season. Oh. For sure. Uh, yeah, and that was like the first time I ever saw Lamar in this game get angry. I don't know if you guys are probably all watching, but he like spiked the ball right out of his center. Oh, yeah. There was multiple delay of games in that late game, and then he to go on the drive to kind of ice the game. Um, but he just proven he's a leader. And, you know, good teams beat up on the bad teams, and that's what they did yesterday. And, I mean, I, I got to give my respect to uh, Justin Houston. I mean, I thought that guy was like over the hill in his career. Yeah. But that game yesterday, he was back in his freaking prime. He was <laughs> – Going insane. Uh, so that him and the, the, the pieces they have on the defense, I think the defense is only going to get better from here. And like you said, Matt, once they get healthy on offense, they're just going to go back on the cruise control. They let Mark Andrews sit this game to heal up, and Isaiah likely stepped up. He got a touchdown. I think he's a really, really good tight end um, and showing it. Uh, and so I think this team's looking pretty solid. Uh, I know they had their moments where they looked a little bit down. Obviously, the Giants game, I'll take the win against them, obviously. But – 
you know, going forward, I think this team's only going to get better. And, and Lamar is proving why week in and week out, he deserves this massive contract. Because like you said right now, depending on Josh Allen's health and early on this year, Lamar was a runaway MVP. I think it's a little bit closer now, but if he continues this level of play and the team keeps on winning, I think he's going to lock down the MVP. I'll make this one comment. He's not worth top quarterback money because he doesn't do the one job a quarterback should do, and that's throw the ball in a consistent manner and read defenses correctly. So right now, in my opinion, he's getting top running back money, even though I hate calling him a running back because he's an athlete. But like, in my opinion, you can't, I can't give you top quarterback money if you can't, you know, throw the ball 20 times a game and get, you know, break to uh, 200 yards consistently. You know, when the run will one day, he will one day, he can't, will not be able to run this much. It's going to happen. We know how bodies degrade. It just makes sense. He's an injury away from becoming a one-dimensional cornerback. That's just a realistic, uh, that's realism of the NFL. I need to see him progress more. And yes, he has limited weapons, but he doesn't, he still has a lot of playmakers on his team and he consistently does not read defenses enough. Like I was watching him overthrow Deshaun Deshaun Jackson off of not playing at all. Easily should have had 120 yards this game. And he's getting overthrown. He's overthrowing Prochet, likely in the end zone again. DuVernay, uh, Demarcus Robinson, he overthrew in the end zone wide open. It's like, we, you know, we got to, you know, we he's doing great. Good for him. He's keeping them relevant. But I think we also have to realize this man is not progressing as a quarterback. Yeah, I think he hit his ceiling pretty early in his career because he was so, you know, explosive you know, in the run game and stuff. And um, I think they were able to, you know, with, with Greg Roman at the helm too, I think like they were able to, um, you know, gloss over a lot of his shortcomings and kind of chalk it up to he's progressing so on and so forth. But now it's like, now it's like multiple million dollar investment payday. Like you don't want to be locked on to a guy who's, um, you know, is so dependent on his body staying healthy and fresh over the next four or five years, if you're going to give him that long contract. So I'm more interested in, you know, if they can finagle a way to have something short of a five-year deal, but I just doubt it likely. I just don't know how you could give him guaranteed money. That's right. gonna—he's gonna ask right. for fully guaranteed. Mm, I can't—I can't—I can't see him getting guaranteed money because he—he's he, a risk. What yeah. team will give him the guaranteed money, though? I mean, oh, yeah, I, yeah, a yeah. team will give him the money. Like Carolina would literally throw yeah. half, half a billion at him just because they need a need a quarterback. But this Ravens team, Harbor. They're smart. They they can find another quarterback and be as good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they got lucky. I mean, they had Flacco, and then they lit to, to Lamar, and they used Lamar to his strengths. But, I mean, I agree. I, I think he's a special, special talent. It's just tough to me to see what the money is going to be for Lamar. I mean, I think he works on his game a lot, and he shows that. But, again, he has a limited arm and things like that, and his legs are his, his key thing. I just want to know what the number he might ask at the end of this year is. It's going to be really, really, really interesting. Can they can they uh, franchise him twice? They did it to Kirk Cousins. They, they did it to Kirk Cousins. They're go- they're going to for sure. They're going to they're going to probably franchise tag. But again, you, the more they franchise tag, the higher the price gets. That's what happened with the Commanders I, with, with and, Kirk. And I yeah. and I think the stakes are are definitely um, higher in his you know in in the organization's favor if. He's not able to, you know, beat Cincinnati the next two years as well for that division. Have the Eagles declared they're the best team in the league after beating the Texans on Thursday night? 
No. Yeah, no. I, I can't. I, I, I'm, <laughs> you have you have a bunch of NFC East fans in here other than Alex. We're never going <laughs> to say the Eagles are the best team. All right? I would much rather puke <laughs> or much rather. That's never going to come out of my mouth. They're a great team. They're, they're, they're a really good team. Uh, but they beat the Texans. The Giants should do that this Sunday. If not, I'm going to be very, very pissed off. But, yeah, I, I think they're a great team. Um, they might run away with the East. Uh, Jalen Hurts could potentially win MVP as well. I think he's really changed everything around on his commentary and what people thought of him. But never are the words going to come out that they're, they're you know, the Eagles are like the top team or the best team or whatever. I'm never going to say that. Can't I do it. it. If that Houston offensive line held up a little better and didn't uh, mm-hmm. force David Mills to throw two picks while running away from him for his life, <laughs> Houston wins this game. Yeah. Damian Pierce was controlling the tempo of the game entirely. Like this, you know, they, you know, if they had, if they had Brandon Cooks, they probably win this game. Mm. Hey, good future oh. ahead. So, I because you guys are all in on hating Philly, I'll just say it for you. I'm <laughs> in the league, and um, you know, uh, just by virtue of you know, Houston kept it close in the first half. That's what you'd expect of any dumpster fire team in a primetime game. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the wheels came off in the second half, and it was evident. I mean, I understand Damian Pierce controlling the pace of the game, but. Philly can match that with their run game and they did so. And I just don't have, I, I don't have any doubts about this team where I could poke any holes at it. I mean, you had them in a short week. You kind of expect a team to come out a little lackadaisical, but they clean up their act in the second half. And I just don't see any, I don't see any slowing down with this team. My worry is just the lack of ability to stop the run. And it's been consistently proven throughout this season. That's a good like, point. Dallas on the second game is going to be frightening for them. That is the scariest game for them coming up. And the test and the Titans. Good stuff ahead. And thinking of the speaking of another very good NFC team, the Vikings. They win again. Kirk Cousins wins again. Maybe not on primetime, which we're waiting for when it matters the most, but on a one o'clock game in Washington, they defeat the Commanders. Again, I'm going to ask it again, as I've asked for the last two weeks. Do you take the Vikings seriously now, or is it because they beat a week, another weaker team? They uh, still have ways to go, but at least we know that the division is theirs to win. Uh, it. Yeah, their true test will be week 11 when they play mm-hmm. Dallas, when they play a real defense. Like Washington showed up, which I was shocked about. Um, you know, kudos to Taylor Heineke just being the bowler that he is. But like, you he's know, good. this fight, he is, he's going to be a starter. Let's call it the way it is. But this Vikings team is like, it confuses me. They're good. They're not good. They're consistent. They're not consistent. I think the Hawkinson trade will give mm-hmm. them the stability that they need now. And we're really going to see them take off now. Like they have, they have no excuses now. It's it's boom and bust. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the next few weeks are a test to see what what this team truly is. I, I think adding TJ Hawkinson is definitely was one of the elements on the offense that they're missing. Was Kirk getting a guy he consistently check down to or, or or get the ball out? Um, we know what TJ Hawk can do. Um, I think he's really really good. Um, so I think it, the next few weeks are going to be telling. Um, but like I said, they're they're. They're doing what good teams do are beating up on bad teams. I mean, they escaped with a win against Washington. Um, but these next two weeks, I think, will kind of start telling the story of what this team is because they're very, very up and down. It's kind of weird. They're not like a steady team. 
Like, I hate praising on the Eagles, like I said, but, like, they're not a steady team where the Eagles, where you know what you're going to get week in, week out. There's one week they look really good, and then there's another week they escape, they just barely escape with a win. And I think dating back to last uh, week's episode, I had this game as, like, a classic trap game. I thought they were going to come out and it was going to be tight, you know, however, whoever won the game. But um, I, I do have a little more faith than you guys in um, in this team. I think that a true test will be, you know, both against Buffalo and Dallas. Um, I think that those will be true tests to see where their hierarchy in the NFC is. You know, if I had to pick them now, gun to my head, I'd probably put them somewhere, you know, before or after San Fran for the second seed in the in the NFC, um, even though it's down conference, down year for the conference. So, you know, we'll see. I, I think that they have nothing to worry about with this division, but – they have uh, all to worry about if they want to make a, a deep playoff push. One thing you can't deny is the Seattle Seahawks and their dominance. Six and three right now. Geno plays well again. Kenneth Walker. Oh, man, you really want to see this guy in his rookie year. Can he at least make this work for five straight seasons as long as he's healthy? Geno is protected. Uh, Tyler Lockett. Uh, staying as Tyler Lockett is supposed to be DK Metcalf returning and playing well. The Cardinals, I think, um, will be another team looking for a new head coach after this season is done. Played very, very bad and really struggling here. Seahawks win their fourth straight. And I think um, this team is clearly good enough to even go as far as making a push, maybe win a playoff game or two. This is a really good Seattle Seahawks team, gentlemen. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, um it, it's the scariest team in, in the NFL right now that no one expected. Yeah. yeah and uh, this yeah. is you could take them, you can really say for for there's so many questions on other teams that we've, you know, talked about week week in and week out. But for this team though, this team is really uh Really impressive, in all yeah. other words, impressive. Yeah, uh, and I think they're the one team that bought in on their system. Like all of us on the outside, right? They trade while someone like ah, oh, they're tanking. It's it for them. But everyone bought in. Everyone was like, yeah, no, we're we're gonna be fine. We're solid, and they're showing that week in and week out. Uh, they're just such an impressive team. That defense is incredibly underrated for what they're doing. If you look at some of their stats over the last five weeks, it's like insane what they're pulling off right now. Um, but no one thought they were going to be here. Um, no one thought Gino was going to be in the top 10 quarterback discussion this year. I don't think any of us. Top five. Top five. Could potentially top five. Like there, a lot of us wouldn't have expected that. So uh, kudos to the Seahawks for buying in and believing. And, you know, I think they're a very, very sneaky team. I think a lot of teams are, are not expecting them uh we we gain a week out and they come in and they show them why they're they're leading their division right now. It, it's it what what's what's most remarkable is a couple stats like ten for fifteen on third down efficiency like that's insane especially mm-hmm. particularly with Geno Smith and dominating time of possession you know obviously Kenneth Walker but just controlling the offense and the pace of the game and just putting it down their throats like it's just they they have a formula and they have something that's reciprocal week in and week out and I think that's what's most dangerous about this team. Yeah, absolutely. And the final game to discuss, the Panthers and the Bengals played each other. Ugh, P.U. <laughs> We're discussing this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, all there's really to say is, um, all much to say, not much to say. The Bengals <laughs> keep getting wins. You just need the wins. Wait until Jamar Chase comes back. 
Um, PJ Walker gets benched, but uh, and Baker Mayfield comes in, plays better than Walker, but PJ Walker is going to start this upcoming week. Sam Darnold is activated, but uh, I guess he's not ready to play. Um, you know, Carolina, clearly the worst team in the NFL. And um, no, 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 that's my Raiders. Oh, well, you think? I don't okay. know. I don't know. I don't know, Alex. The, the Panthers are, they're pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. we may, we may yeah. take the turn on this one. Sorry to interrupt, Matt. No, no, no worries. Just Joe Mixon with five touchdowns. Yeah. Whoever has him on yeah. fantasy clearly won their game, and um, yeah, uh, you know, kudos to the to the Bengals. Uh, keep getting wins in there, and Joe Burrow as he's approaching a contract year soon, um, showing that uh, he could get paid. So. Oh. That's all we really have to say here. Let's go through the games of these real, week and make these quick, quick with um, yeah. make these quick um, predictions. But I'll let you uh, finish your point. Sorry. Um, well, I just wanted to real quick. I wanted to touch on where we think the the Cincinnati Baltimore ranking is currently. But also, I wanted to just make a quick point about the Chargers uh, Atlanta game too. Oh yes, I missed that one. Sorry about that. Um, okay. It was a quick week. Quick, quick. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to prep today. Busy day. Okay. Um, but, um, yes, we could go with Atlanta and L.A. where we have the Atlanta Falcons coming up short against the Chargers. And um, though I don't see the Chargers returning back to glory because I do think the way this game unfolded, especially some mental errors from Atlanta, um, I just feel that um the the uh, Chargers, though they won, I I still think they're a lost cause until Justin Herbert is fully healthy because we see that he's clearly playing hurt, and um, Keenan Allen, um, coming back is going to be big for them, and Mike Williams too. I think uh, the Chargers, yeah, there's something there, the, the the there's something wrong. There's something very off with uh, the formula with this, with this offense um, until Herbert gets back to hundred percent. But I think that the, it almost seems like they're kind of, you know, sheltering and preserving Eckler as well. I mean, you can't get dominated 200 yards to 90 yards in this game on the ground. I think that Atlanta just pushed them around and probably would have had this game in the bag if they didn't have a couple of those forced fumble miscues. So. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. Um, play by Khalil Mack in there looking like his old self though. That yeah, was, that was yeah. neat. But, uh, Atlanta really killed their momentum. People thought, um, they may have a chance to win this division and a tough loss. It literally just takes one bad loss to, uh, kill all your gains. Yeah. They have the game. Sealed They're a good bubble. football team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, well, I still think they win this division easily. I think there's so many yeah. questions. Yeah, I think they could win it too. I, I I wasn't expecting them to win the division, but I think they have a chance. I mean, they just that, that game watching it, uh, they just kicked themselves in the foot. I mean, they had the game sealed, and then he fumbled it out of bounds, and then Herbert threw the strike to ice it to get the the team in the in the field goal range. So. <laughs> yep. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this though: when the head coach of the Chargers, Staley, gets fired this offseason, I wouldn't be shocked if Frank Wright gets named the head coach. <laughs> That's this a is thing a, to look out for, yeah. This is a team that would benefit from an offensive mind like Frank Reich. Mm. Frank Reich got fired not because of his coaching abilities, just because of the poor roster build around him yep. and the dysfunction that is the Colts. This is a team that needs a Frank Reich or like a Doug Peterson kind of guy. We really thought that uh, the AFC West was going to be really special, and I guess the AFC East took over as the best um 
overall division. But again, that's just yeah. football. That is just football. It's the best worst year in the NFL. Yeah, and you know, so many mediocre teams. There's definitely, especially the five and three teams, don't really look like a five and three team with any potential. Like we said, the Chargers and um, you know teams like that. But you know, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay, especially running into the second half. And uh, we're gonna try something different. We're gonna go through all the games next week. And I just want a few words on who you expect to win, what interests you in this game, and um, we'll go rapid fire that way and uh, test it out. So um, we'll first start with Thursday night. Who's going to win between the Falcons and the Panthers? Falcons. Falcons. All right. We'll take the Falcons on that one. I'm sure you think the same thing, Alex. Renelio. Watch Kyle Pitts to have another huge game against Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm. He needs it. The Texans and the Giants. The Giants after not an embarrassing loss to the Seahawks, but a very tough one. Go up against a 1-6-1 and Texans team. I think it is fair to say that the Giants should be able to pull this off. Only six-and-a-half point favorites, but, um, you know, you do not want to take major steps backwards if you lose to Lovey Smith and his crew. This yeah. is my upset game this week. I think the Texans wow. pulled off with a field goal victory. Ooh. I was just going to say, I'm a Giants fan. I would say the Texans are going to cover the six and a half. Uh, Alex, uh, Rinelli, I think you're muted, by the way. Real quick. But Texans are six and a half. I, I think they're going to cover. I think the Giants are going to win. I'm not going to put against the Giants, but I could see the Texans covering it. I think it could be a close game. I'll take I'll take the opposite approach. I got a Giants route at home. Oh, okay. Run away with it. And yeah. the first ever game in the country of Germany, the Seahawks and the Bucks are playing. Headliners for completely opposite reasons. <laughs> but who do we see winning this in um, a country that used to be split into two? Seahawks. Yeah, I think Seattle. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go with Tom Brady getting the love of another country and leading into a big upset victory. And, um, you know, the Bucks are actually favorites in this game only by two and a half, but um, I think they will get those points and get the victory. Vikings and the Bills. I think um, this is really the true test for Minnesota. Despite um, the injury issues Buffalo's facing, they're on the road. We have a spread of five and a half points for Buffalo. Who's taking this one? Matt, I think the Vikings. Matt, real Vikings quick. Regardless. Is Josh Allen playing in this game? At this moment, he is. Okay, then I'm going to take the Bills. But it's going to be close. He so is questionable, but I, I, um, um, I think from what I'm seeing, it's leaning towards him actually playing this game. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna contradict myself for a second. I real quick. I, I had the Bills nine and zero going into this game before the preseason uh, picks, but I think um, Buffalo is gonna ultimately win this game. But I still have faith that the Vikings are the third best team in the NFC, possibly the second, depending on San Fran's health and their cohesion. The Lions versus the Bears, where the Bears are the three and a half three point favorites. Not the best matchup. I'll go Bears. Bears at home, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lions right now. And Campbell, we trust. 
I say the Lions, too, they're going to have momentum defeating Aaron Rodgers. And uh, there's going to be a daunting task in this division matchup. But Detroit, let's see them pull it off. The Broncos are back. They're playing the Titans. What's going to go on here? The spread is three full points for Tennessee. I think Tennessee should be favored more. I don't think this game is going to be close. I'm going Tennessee. Yeah, ten Tennessee by a mile. Bradley Chubb's gone. Derrick Henry is going to have himself a three touchdown there. See you later. See you. Yep. See you later. Now we have the Jaguars versus the Chiefs. Nine and a half point favorites for Kansas City. This will be over at halftime. Chiefs route. Chiefs, but it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, I'm going to say Chiefs, wow. but I think I think the Jags have the firepower to keep it the cover at least. Nine and a half is big, and I think the Jags' offense is very underrated. I can see it being a shootout. In, in this, Cleveland's final game with Joe Kobe Brissett as the starting quarterback. They're playing the Dolphins in Miami. Miami has the spread at three and a half. I think this is a trap. Yeah, I think it's a trap game for Miami, and I think the Browns will pull the win up. I think Brissett's knowing he has his last prove-it game to get get himself another job somewhere, and I think he's. I think Ninjoku might come back this week. I think he's going to make some make some moves. <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. That was spot on. The exact take I had, just in totality. I think that this is a big Bradley Chubb monster game too, because Miami doesn't have much of a defense to speak of. New Orleans is playing Pittsburgh. The Saints are going to the Steel City at two-and-a-half-point favorites. What's up with this game? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? This is my stay-away game of the week. Don't touch <laughs> this one. I'll, I'll, no, go, the in, I'll go to the Saints. I'll go to the Saints. New Orleans, I'll, too. Yeah, I'll I'm going to go to New Orleans. I'll a big a Taysom Hill day. Big Taysom Hill day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially with uh, Matt Canada over there in Pittsburgh. Forget about it. Hmm. This is a hilarious matchup. The Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders. Nope. They really set this up as the teams who are the biggest jokes in the NFL going against each other on this crazy week. Let me say this, Alex. If you lose to the Colts on a coach who has never coached before in mid-November, you really should give up your fandom. I, I, you know, I might, I might have to take advice from a Giants fan. I, I, (laughs) I can't, I can't put myself through all this pain anymore. I, um, I, this is like, I, if I had to like torture my biggest enemy, I would probably strap them in a chair and make them watch this game. Vegas six point favorites. If if a, how if a, how is it possible? I don't know. If I don't, I'm looking at this. If a prop bet comes up in the fourth quarter of what color Gatorade Jeff Saturday will be rained on, there's an issue. So I'm gonna go with the Raiders winning this game, but it better not be a close one. Yeah, really shouldn't. I'm I'm going the Colts by a touchdown. <laughs> I like that. I think I Sam s- Ellinger. I think Sam Ellinger is about to. Everyone's going to take notice on this guy. I think he's going to finally pop off. We have the Cowboys and the Packers, two classic NFL franchises, playing at home for Aaron Rodgers, five point favorites. This is the. I believe this is the Fox game of the week. Aaron Rodgers, can he redeem himself against the Cowboys this time? 
a team he has handled well in the playoffs. Maybe this truly is the one. If you can't beat the Cowboys at home at Lambeau, this could be the one that breaks him. Broken Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay wins. I can't believe I'm saying that Green Bay wins. They're going to mismanage Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard this game because they want to make Zeke the lead back, and it's going to really mess with their chemistry. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to pull an Aaron Rodgers, you know, 40 seconds, Alan Lazard touchdown on the sideline. Five-point favorites for uh, Dallas, by the way. Uh, this is this is a tricky one. Uh, I know we're trying to do rapid-fire for these. I, I would not be surprised that the Packers win this one. I think the Cowboys' defense is special, but with his back against the wall, I think this is the week that Rodgers proves himself. He has a good track record against the Cowboys. And if a Cowboys fan is not confident in his team, then think, Rogers has all the confidence in the world. So I'm going to. I haven't I'm been confident. I haven't been confident in weeks, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think actually, surprisingly, I think whatever the weather may be, that's going to be a, a bigger factor because I think Dallas played poorly in, in bad weather situations. I think that uh, Green Bay could expose them, you know, in that in the right circumstance. So we'll see. <laughs> Right now, just real quick on the weather, it's supposed to be 36 degrees. Oh, we're losing. We're losing. We're losing. (laughs) CD Lamb can't catch catch a cold ball. This is done. And it's going to be windy, too, 10 to 15 miles per hour. Sunny, cold, and windy. Done. He can't catch a knee. Zeke's knee is going to ache. Uh, Dak's ankle is going to feel the metal plate. It's over. It's over. (laughs) And it's it's 4.30 kickoff, too. Yeah, so it's going to be probably even cooler at that point. Yep. Yeah. We'll the, see. The Cardinals and the Rams are playing another funny matchup. Um, LA, three-point favorites. LOL. Yeah, tough tough weather down there, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, tough weather, uh, tough game. Uh, no. uh, yeah, this is on side. I will say the Rams in this one. I, I don't know. The Cardinals taking all these steps backwards. I, I thought, you know, getting Hopkins back would turn around this team. He's been very, very good since he's been back. But the Cardinals, is all, they're all over the place. So I think the Rams get a, a win at home in this one. I'm going Cardinals, and I'm saying J.J. Watt has a flashback-in-time game and gets mm. three sacks against this offensive line that is so weak in the guard-to-guard position. This, they're going to get t- torn apart by him in the interior. I think this is a coin flip, but whoever loses, their season's done. Mm. All right. The Chargers and the 49ers are playing San Francisco, the seven point favorites in this one. So this was, this was originally my upset. I had the Chargers going on the road and making the shock, but um, I'll stick with that pick. Okay. I'm going to go Chargers. Wow. I'm, I'm going with San Francisco. I'm the only 49ers fan. I love what I'm they sticking with. Christian. What are you sticking with, Matt? Where are you going? I'm, I'm going with uh, San Francisco as well. Okay. So, Thank you. I have someone on my side. I'm a big fan of Gerald Everett. I'm a big fan of Gerald Everett on the Chargers, <laughs> and I just want to see him have a nice game on my fantasy team. Well, there's some truth. There's some truth that I think that with uh, the Niners, like I'm really high on the Niners, really high on their ceiling. But for some reason, this feels like a do or die game for the Chargers. Similarly, similarly with the Cardinals Rams matchup, it just seems that if they are going to make a playoff push, they have to win this game. I can see that. And Monday night, NFC. East rivals, Washington is playing Philly. Philly, 11-point favorites at home. I'm going 
Washington just oh, because God. why not? Why not? Outright why win not? or covering the spread? I think I think they just played the Vikings, which in my opinion is an equivalent offense if you with a little bit less of a run game. I think they're going to be close, and I think it could be a toss-up. I think it could be a toss-up. I think this Philly team is not challenged enough, and the Texans challenged them, mm-hmm. and now I feel like they have a, the easiest schedule in the back half of this, te- uh, this uh, season, and I think they're going to constantly get challenged because they're going to get a little complacent. And this is where I see it. And the Fletcher Cox injury is a big deal for mm-hmm. me. Save this clip. Definitely screen record. Save this clip. Uh, for me, I think the spread is too big. Uh, I'm going to say that the Eagles win this one, but 11 and the way that how the Eagles came out against the Texans, I think the commanders can easily come into this game. Yeah. Uh, and we just saw what they did against the Vikings. If they can do that game script and kind of keep it close, I think they can cover the spread. I think the Eagles, just like they did against the Texans, find a way late in the game to dice the game. But 11, I think, is a little high. That's and high. Just, yeah, just they the fell way, short of the, the spread yeah. last week, too. Just the way 14. the Eagles came out against against the Texans with their big of a spread that they had, I could see that kind of being that. I don't think I don't think the commanders are outright winning, this but looks, I think they'll cover the spread. This looks more like a one-possession game, so I want to mm. be somewhere in between Brian and Alex on this one. <laughs> My thing is Jalen Hurts hasn't had a bad game yet. Hmm. And it would make sense it would be against Washington because, like, why not embarrass yourself? That'd be fun. That would be fun. Um, And uh, I'm going to go with Philly on this one, too. But, gentlemen, good stuff as always. Let's have a week 10. We're at the double digits now. And we'll check back in soon and see how well we all did with this one. So Alex Young, Alex Ranelio, Brian McKeon, thank you, gentlemen, and I'll see you soon. See you soon, guys. Have a great day. Great. All right, all right, all right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Brian, Alex Young, and Alex Ranelio. Great job, as per usual. Now let's hand it over to Russ Miller, and let's hear his picks for Week 10 in the NFL and Week 11 in the college football season. Let's see what he has to say this week. Here we go. Good afternoon and welcome to Russ Ramblin' Russ in the NFL in the league where they play for pay as last week Ramblin' was 3-1 in both college and pro. And here are your pro selections for week number 10. Hard to believe the 10th week is upon us. We're going with Seattle plus the three over Tampa Bay. Seattle outright plus three. You're getting three points. Take it to the bank. Seattle plus three. The Giants minus six and a half. Lay under a touchdown. You're a winner at MetLife Stadium off the bye week. Brian Dable has his team prepared, although the Xavier McKinney injury is something to be looked at long-term. Hopefully he's back in time to maybe make a run for the divisional title. But Giants minus 6.5 is your play in that game. Bears minus 2.5. Bears minus 2.5. The Lions are not such a hot team, even though they beat the Packers last week. The Bears are good. Justin Fields is good. I like the Bears at home to win that game, minus 2.5. And And finally, the game of the week, in my opinion, the lock of the week at home. Tua. Tua and the Fish. Dolphins minus the three and a half. So to repeat, Seattle plus three, Giants minus six and a half, Bears minus two and a half, Dolphins minus three and a half. Week number, week number 11, 10. Good luck. 
picks for week number 10 in co- week number 11, excuse me, in college football. Week number 11 in college football. Start tonight with Akron plus the 7 points tonight. UConn plus 14 and a half. Kansas plus 3 and a half and Penn State minus 10. Again, Akron plus 7, UConn plus 14 and a half, Kansas plus 3 and a half and Penn State minus the 10. Good luck. Good job, Russ. Thank you for your contribution. As always, let's see you go undefeated in college and NFL picks this week. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. Don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComaPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. We will see you back here next week with a whole new batch of shows. We'll talk about week 10 in the NFL, and we will have some special guests on other shows along the way. So check us out. See what we got for you next week with our normal NFL podcast and some other surprises along the way. Thank you to Brian McKeon, Alex Young, and Alex Ranelio for the panel discussion this week. Great stuff as always. Thank you, Russ Miller, for your picks. Thank you to Alex DeJesus for what you do behind the scenes and helping me produce this show. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world for making this all possible i love each and every single one of you and we got more stuff coming have a wonderful weekend everybody stay safe out there enjoy what's left of the fall and before you know it it'll be the holiday season and we know there's going to be some intense but very good stuff that comes with it my name is matt brown i am the host of the productive conversations podcast and i'll see you next week love you all peace Baseline, baseline, baseline.